amazing. Amen. We've just got started on a new series in the book of James. And uh, let me tell you, it's amazing, the book of James. I know a number of people have told me through the week that James is one of their favorite books. And uh, it's, it's true. Many people consider it to, to be one of the most practical books in the New Testament. And some people call it the how-to manual of Christian living. And it's true. It really is practical, but it is also really challenging, correct? It's really challenging. And it, again, being honest, it frustrates me. The book of James frustrates me because it, it almost questions my authenticity and as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, we people don't like to be challenged or questioned because we take it personally, you know. And we become very defensive. I mean, do you really, um, you think about it, we face this all the time. Do you really think, do you really think about that? Did I really say that? We become so defensive. Do you really think I would do that? When you call someone, it's like when you call someone out, you see how defensive they get, right? And this book does the same exact thing for me and I still love it. I still love it even though it makes me mad because it questions, like I said, it questions the genuineness not just of my actions but also challenges my attitudes and my Christian character. Because we're good at doing the right thing but having the right attitude is a total different job. It's a total different case and very often we excuse it. We excuse it sometimes because that's just me, right? Like I said, Last week too and don't use the it's just me, that's who I am excuse because when you say that statement, it's proof that there's too much of you in you and you need more of Christ in you. And if you haven't heard the first part of the series, I encourage you to go online and listen to it because a lot of us here, I heard it two, three times this past week and man... Talk about someone liking to hear themselves. I, <laughs> but it was different. Because it challenged me, guys. And really, if it give you, encourage you to go listen to it. Cause, and I gave you all a heads up last week, too. Because this book is almost offensive. Because its demands seem so unrealistic, ridiculous, irrational. And, you know, we want to throw up our hands and give up saying, I can't do it. It's impossible. And I told you that last week too, and I know a number of you are missing, but I said this series will offend you at some point or the other. But please do not take it as a personal attack because I would never do that. But at the same time, I will never sugarcoat the word of God. I will never preach a gospel that people like to hear all the time, like the Bible says, tickles their ears. So please don't understand me or my intentions, but allow the word to, like I said, inform as well as transform you. Turn with me to James. You're going to get into the first chapter of James. James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2 through 6. And uh, I'm reading from the NIV. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 6. And we're going to stay in that passage for most of the sermon with a couple of other verses. James chapter 1, it says, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. It's kind of interesting because normally when you write a letter or you're trying to email somebody nowadays, what do you do? You always, uh, especially when you have a problem that you want to bring up, you just, you know, you kind of ease them into it, right? A few pleasantries, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? How's work? You know, and then you, then you tell them what you want to talk about. And that's the way to do it. But really, James... Man, second verse, he gets to it right there. He announced it like right there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you see, I mean, when you, uh, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How would you like a letter like that that just starts off, hey, you've got problems? Good, be happy. <laughs> And I think the key phrase there is the starting of verse 3. It says, because you know. What do you know? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Trust me, church, the at, your attitude is determined by, by your understanding of who God is. And because you know that he is working in you and through you. And through every situation that is in your life. So let's explore this passage a little more. Rejoicing again. It's not just positive thinking. It's way more than thinking good thoughts or happy thoughts like we do sometimes. So I have four truths about problems that you're going, you're going through right now. Or the problems that you will face. Number one. The first truth or the first fact is we are all going to face problems. It's just a fact of life. It doesn't say when, I mean, it says, it does not say we may encounter problems. It doesn't say, it doesn't say if we encounter problems. It says what? Whenever, when, when you encounter problems. It's a guarantee almost. You can count on it. If you don't have problems, and I've said this to a lot of people, if you don't have a problem in your life, you need to go have a checkup. Because you're either not living or something else is wrong with you. Because Jesus himself says, in this world you will have trials, troubles. Peter says in his letters, if you read First uh, and Second Peter, he tell, t- talks about this. He says, don't be surprised when you have troubles, basically. So we are all going to have trouble. One preacher said, problems are not an elective in life. They are a required course. You don't get out of them by saying you don't want to have any problems. Because really, no one is immune to problems. And I, I don't go looking for problems. I don't go looking for trouble. I don't pray, God, send me a trial so that my faith will increase. I don't pray that prayer. I may have done it when I was a kid, but we don't go looking for that. Troubles don't necessarily follow us again, but they are a fact of life. Life is not a bed of roses. We know that. 
you know, you are going to have trouble. So don't be surprised. And like, what? Why? Everything else. So first thing is, we are all going to have problems. Number two, second truth is this. We cannot predict when they will come. We cannot predict when they will come. They will hit you when you least expect it. And I've heard this, these two things. Most of the time, it just goes into two categories. One thing is like, Pastor, everything was just going so smoothly. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam, this happened. On the other hand, I've heard, Pastor, you know, man, it's been going real tough. And we're barely making it. And now this has happened. We cannot predict when it's going to happen. They are unpredictable. And that's why he says, James, it's kind of interesting word he uses here. He says, whenever you face problems. Whenever you face problems. And actually the Greek word there is actually literally means to fall into unexpectedly. You face something. It talks about falling into unexpectedly. And it's the same word, same word actually, same Greek word used in Jesus uses in the story of the Good Samaritan when he talks about this uh, guy who fell into the hand of robbers. It's the same word. And so you fall into, problem is something you fall into unexpectedly because you can't predict them. Trials are not planned. We can rarely anticipate a problem. But we know it's a guarantee. And I think, I think it's kind of a good thing because if we could anticipate a problem, we'd run away. We'd run away and then we wouldn't really learn what God wants us to learn through it. We don't plan on having problems on our tire or a crisis at home or at work. And they're unplanned. Problems are unplanned, unpredictable. And of course, when we least want it to happen, right? Problems are un, uh, inconvenient. That's the word. Problems are inconvenient. And I always think about my brother's wedding and uh, in the Indian weddings uh, there we have it's much longer than the american weddings first of all but they have normally the bride and the groom sit on the stage in a corner on the stage and then behind them is like the best man and the bridesmaid and whoever else and so i'm sitting there and uh the bridesmaid is sitting there and between us was the flower girl and ceremony just started and the flower girl got sick she threw up all over me and i'm like and I was trying to be quick enough to grab that basket that she had to throw in, throw up into that. But it's not convenient at all to live in a, I mean, to go through a wedding that is almost three hours, four hours long after that. Wishing people would throw up all over you. Problems are inconvenient. I know it's, that's just a silly story, but it's the truth. When we least want it to, it hits us. We are all going to have problems. We cannot predict when they ha- happen. And here's another one. Problems come in different sizes. So many different kinds of them. Hear me out here because you will never, never understand what I am going through. And I will properly, never properly understand what you are going through. Sometimes it's simply because what is a problem for you is not a problem with me. That's why we need to show a little grace. Because what is not a big deal for me is a big deal for someone else, correct? So let's not just label them. You know, that's just being dramatic about it. I mean, except for Heather, she's like a drama queen anyway. So, 
She's not here, but she hears me speak. That's for her. Shout out to Heather. <laughs> the point is this. It's just show each other grace sometimes because what really bothers you is a problem for you. It may not be a problem for someone else. And so we show grace because problems come in different shapes, different sizes. One person said, someone said this, one thing about problems, you don't get bored of them because they always come in a different variety. Actually, the word many kinds is actually the connotation that the Bible says you have problems of many kinds. Those many kinds is actually a word that's actually uh, deals with color, multicolored, multicolored. And when I was reading that, I was like, have you ever tried to go match paint and you walk into Lowe's and Home Depot and you see that whole wall of this? I was like, I want blue. And then they like give you like a million shades of blue. That's the ideas given here. Problems come in many kinds. It's talking about multicolored. They're so different. Everybody's, like I said, troubles come in different shapes, sizes, intensity, duration. Some people, it's a minor inconvenience. To some people, it's a really major crisis. Let's just learn to show grace when people are going through trouble. Number four, and the fourth truth, and which I think is one of the most important ones. That there is a purpose behind every problem. Problems serve a purpose. And I, again, I, I don't want you to misunderstand or get me wrong at this time. Because problems are not a good thing. They're not a good thing. I don't look forward to a problem. But God can and does use the problems in our lives to accomplish his will in us and in our lives. God is not the author. I mean, he doesn't send trouble our way just because he, he can or is this sadistic uh, person who just wants to teach us a lesson so he sends us a problem. That's not the God whom I serve. That's not the God whom the Bible talks about. But he allows us to go through trials and troubles to challenge us and prepare us to prepare us for this greater, higher calling that he has placed on each one of our lives. I know God loves me and God is in control. And that's why I can say in confidence that problems have a purpose. Pain has a purpose in our lives. Pain can accomplish things in our lives. There are or there is a purpose behind every problem. There is value in trouble. And here's the silver lining. The trials in my life purify my faith. The trials in my life purify my faith. In this verse, he says, he uses the word testing. And of course, this word testing is talking about precious metal, gold and silver. Because you would heat them up to heart until what? All the dross and all the impurities are burned off. That's the word he's using here. Job says, what, he tested me through the refining fire and I've come out pure. That's the word, the first trial, it tests our faith, it purifies our faith. That's what trials really do. You've probably heard the saying before and I've, probably, I've used it several times, Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what's inside of them till you drop them in hot water. Church, your faith develops when things don't go as planned. 
Your faith develops when you don't feel like doing something when you know it's really right. The trials you go to refine, purify, and strengthen your faith. And we've had our own share of testing as we were trying to remodel this church, correct? Sometimes I just, the city, the state, it was always somebody, you know? And you get upset about things. And then what I realized is God, is God loves buildings and building buildings, but he wants to build people and disciples too. So if he sends us trials to build an external wall, how much more will he use the trials in life to build us into the image of his son? He uses it. He uses it to build us up. He uses troubles to build us up, to purify, purify our faith. God is more interested in building character than he is interested in anything else. Trials teach me patience. They teach me patience. The testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. Perseverance. He's talking about staying power, not passive patience, but this whole idea of endurance right there. It's endurance, the ability to keep on keeping on, the ability to just hang in there and not give up. Again, the Greek word literally translates as the ability to stay under pressure. That's the idea that they have. I mean, I teach physics, and one of the labs we do is like a stress test on bridges and different buildings you build. It's not just standing there waiting for nothing. It is here, the perseverance he's talking about. When the pressure is on, it's staying strong till the end. Enduring it, enduring the pressure. And that's what it talks about. Trials teaches us patience. We don't like patience, and so very often you see people run away from trouble all the time. All the time they run away from trouble. They run away. They run to alcohol, drugs, whatever. They go to Disneyland. I don't know what they do. Anything to avoid trials. But the truth is trials develop patience in me. Develops patience in me. It's all about not giving up. It's all about not quitting. And I just talked to Deanne about it this morning. Sometimes it always gets worse before it gets better. But we've got to hold on. That's what trials do. Hold on. We can't give up and say it's too much. We've got to persevere. We've got to push through. We've got to keep trusting him. We've got to put the waiting on him. And never forget that he is there with us every single step of the way. He is with us every single step of the way. How does God teach you patience, church? I mean, how does God teach you patience? I mean... For me, it's sometimes when I'm a hundred yards away from my exit and traffic stops. <laughs> always coming from Beltline, coming from like Arlington, Mansfield. It's always right there. A hundred yards. I can see my exit, but then now we're stuck there for 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's waiting in that grocery line when the person in front of you and the cashier are having talking about the sun, moon and everything else. And you just want to go home. Those are the light areas, the light situation, but there's something more serious. But God teaches us patience through it. Maybe it's patience waiting for that miracle you've been waiting for in a long time. Maybe it's patience when it comes to God fulfilling the promise that he gave you years ago. The troubles in your life teach you patience. God, you promised me this, but why is it not happening, God? Why is it getting worse? 
That's when we hold on to God because we know the trials in his life teach us patience. That's the perseverance. That's the endurance he's talking about. The truth is endurance is a real rare quality in today's world. Because if it doesn't work right now, right here, right now, we quit and go try something else. That's the way the world lives all the time. Let's just go get something else. We live in a world that is catering to our convenience and our comfort. But God wants us to be patient. And sometimes God uses these trials to teach us patience. The third thing, the trials, they teach me patience, but they also build my character. And that's the most important thing. They build my character and they make me more like Christ. They mature me. They help me grow. It says the testing of your faith produces perseverance that you may be mature, complete, and lacking anything. Not lacking anything. That's God's ultimate goal. His ultimate purpose is maturity or completeness. God wants us to grow up and mature into the likeness of his son. We talked about this last week. In Christian life, the bottom line is our attitude and our change on the inside out. That's the bottom line because so many Christians I talk about have no idea what God's agenda for their life is. And I tell them, one main purpose, to be more like Christ. Now go. Because we try and complicate it with everything else, but we don't hold on to this one truth. God wants you to be more like Jesus. Now go live your life like that. Again and again and again, like I said, I tell people, God is interested in building character rather than just your comfort and your convenience. The truth is, God loves me so much, he's going to make me, push me, put me through situations that are going to mold me into Christ-likeness. And now I might not like that process, but he loves me enough to not give up on me and pushes me to be more like Jesus, like I said, and he's always there with me through it. And how does he, I mean, he makes you go through the things. Jesus was tired. He was lonely. He was tempted. You know, he was disappointed. He cried right there at the gate of Jerusalem. If he goes to go through it, you get to go through it too, really. And it boils down to two things for me. How does God build my character? And I can really, honestly, we can just boil it down into two parts. One, through his word. That's number one, definitely. God builds my character through his word. There's no choice. I mean, the Bible itself says, sanctify us with your truth. The truth is God's word. And I believe the second one, the way he teaches us is through our problems. He conforms us into the likeness of his son through the trials and the problems we have in life. He uses the circumstances in my life to build us up into Christ's likeness. Here's what James, I think James kind of hits it right on the head. Because so many Christians I've, I've met say this again. Things were going great. And, you know, I, I've heard this said so many times. Things were going great when I first became a believer. And then all these problems started. And then maybe they sit there in my office or in the coffee shop or wherever the meeting with me. Maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe I'm not a Christian after all. Maybe I'm not really saved after all. Maybe I've missed the boat. Maybe, you know, this whole God thing is not real. And they start to question and doubt every experience they've had with God because they've encountered problems now. Guys, it's foolishness to think that the devil's going to roll over and let you go just because you became a Christian. 
That's when he's going to hit you so much harder. But I tell them, here's what I know. You are where God wants you to be. No matter what, whether it's on top of a mountain or down in the valley, you are where God wants you to be because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Because I know he loves me. And I know he takes care of me. And I know he knows what's best for me. And that's why I can still trust him on the mountaintop or in the valley. Because his presence is always with me. Romans 8.28. We know that in all things God does what? Works together. For good. I know that promise. I know that promise. Someone said this, and I had to think about it for a while. How does God teach us the fruit of the Spirit? He says, by putting us in the, in the exact opposite situation. If God wants to teach you love, he pit, puts you around unlovely people. If he wants to teach you joy, he puts you in times in tragedy and sadness. And if you want to learn joy, he puts you in a situation that really depresses you sometimes. And I had to think about it for a while, because I don't know if the, you know, but there is some truth in that statement. Because I've learned to appreciate an air conditioning after being out in the hot sun. I learned to appreciate it so much more sometimes. You know, it's easy to be at peace when you're hanging out on a beach in Hawaii. It's easy to be peaceful at that time. But to find real peace, you know, when the dinner is burning, the kids are beating each other up, the small one, the dog messed up in the living room. You know what I'm talking about? That's when you really need the peace. That's when God's peace is promised. That trouble. That's when God really builds us up in those places. And the truth is this. God is making masterpieces. We are God's masterpiece. A masterpiece doesn't happen like this. He can make it happen like that. It's a process. Chips away. Sand something down. Sometimes he has to just crush that whole thing and start over. That's part of the process. You are God's masterpiece. You got to learn patience. He's not going to give up on you, so don't give up on him. So how do we handle trials? And I'll finish real quick. This is the weirdest thing ever when he says, consider it pure joy when you have trouble. Like I said, people in the world were like, what are you talking about? Consider it pure joy. He doesn't say fake it. He doesn't say put this plastic smile on or, don't, or just pretend it's not happening. He doesn't say spiritualize all these problems. He says consider. When you use the word consider, it's something for you to think about and then make a decision. I have made a choice to rejoice in my situation, whether it be good or bad. I have made a choice based on who my God is and knowing fully well that he is able to take care of me. Knowing fully well that he is always in control of my life. Now the choice is yours. Consider it pure joy when the trials come. Don't minimize it or super spiritualize it. Think about it and then make a choice to rejoice. You react with joy. How do you respond? With joy. Again, don't rejoice for the problem. I can't rejoice when someone I love has cancer. But God gives me joy in the midst of that trial. That's what he's talking about. He gives us joy in 
that situation. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. Not for everything. In everything give thanks. That's a choice we make. I had a person. I love that person a lot. He would pray, thank you God for the accident I got into. And I was like, what did he just say? Thank you God for the accident I got into. And You know, as a young Christian, I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Yes, we don't have to thank God. And I understood their heart. We're not thanking God for misfortune. But we got to learn to thank God even though something bad happened. And that's what it is. Thanking God in, react with joy in the midst of that trial. React with joy in the midst of the sorrow. React with joy in the midst of all the trouble that you're going through. Consider it pure joy. Why do you consider? What is there to consider? You consider it because you know what God's plan ultimately is. That's what you got to think about. I'm going through this right now because I know. Remember I told you that's the key phrase. Because I know God is not done with me yet. Because I know my problems will not destroy me. Because I know God is with me. Because I know when God is with me, nothing can be against me. That's why. Consider it. And then make a choice. Consider it joy. I will bless the Lord at all times, the Bible says. His praise will always be on my lips. Consider it. Church problems always don't produce blessings. Your attitude to the problems produces the blessing. The Holy Spirit working in our lives. And the truth is this. Problems can break people or make people. Again, consider it. The only way it's going to make you is when you see God's hand through it all that's how you're going to make it number two the second way we respond prayer respond with joy and we respond in prayer it says in verse five if you lack wisdom you should ask god that's prayer ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault We need to pray for wisdom in the middle of our problems. Why should we pray for wisdom? Why should we pray for wisdom? And very often I always associated this and there's nothing wrong with it at all. I associated wisdom with God. Give me an exit strategy. I need wisdom to get out of this situation. But as I grew older and as I grew older in the Lord, I realized I need wisdom to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? God doesn't want you to be in that situation. He wants you wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom to navigate through that problem. Get you out of the problem. He's going to do that. But there is a bigger purpose too. And you need to ask wisdom so that you don't lose the opportunity to learn something through that situation. Because sometimes I feel if you don't don't learn that lesson, what happens? You repeat the same mistake. You got to take that other lap, that second lap around so that you learn something. So we need wisdom to learn And the other thing about wisdom is simple. When I learn, then I can teach. I can't teach if I've not learned. I use the example of cooking. I can do nothing, teach you nothing about cooking. I can tell you how lovely food is, but I can't teach you anything about it until I've learned something about cooking. It's the same thing with God. Unless I have learned about God from God, from his word, I cannot teach someone else. 
Same thing, unless I have learned through trouble, that testimony is something I can share with someone else and encourage them when they go through the same exact situation. There is a purpose behind every problem you go through. You might not see it here and now, but ask God for wisdom. So many times, so many times, you yourself, you've probably experienced this because looking back, you'll say, now I understand. That's what God is doing in our lives. Let's be open, but let's ask God in prayer. God, teach me, God, through the situation. And the third way to respond is just to be still and wait on God. Be still and wait on God. Relax, in other words, and let God work things out. You know the trouble we get into when we try and work things out and help God on our own. We try and help God through the situation when all we need to do sometimes is to be still and wait on God. Be still and wait on God. And that's why he says when you ask, you ask with no doubt. He must believe. You can only wait when you believe it's going to happen. You got to learn to wait and let God be God. Wait and let God be God because honestly you worrying about it, stressing about it just makes you more miserable and more sick. You don't change a single thing by worrying about something. So why not just relax and let God be God. Let God be God. I found a letter written to a pastor and it says, Dear Pastor, it has amazed me how God has moved in my life in the past few years. I've always known about God and went to church. But when I lost my mother two years ago, things changed. Watching someone I loved and respected so much just be eaten away by cancer turned me against God and asked the question. I asked the questions, why? But strange things happen. God took over my life. So many things happened to change my life. So many things happened to change my life, even through such sadness and sorrow. Right after that, a few months later, the man I had been with for six years ended our relationship. And again, I got bitter with God. But God, in his wisdom and his love, got a hold of my life again. Each day is a growing experience for me with God, with him. I know God sent me to this church to hear the teaching from his word. I wish and hope God will help me grow so that I can help others grow in the hard times like I have been through. I was reading the letter and it was way, I just got a few points from it. But if you only wait and hear what people's stories are through the adversity they go through, it encourages us when we face the adversity. If we allow God, and that's what James talks about, and honestly, it There are so many people who I consider heroes in my life because the way they have faced situations in their life. The way they have maintained the joy of the Lord, which is so evident, even though I know everything else in their life is almost falling apart. Yet they've been able to maintain the joy of the Lord. Those are heroes in the faith for me because they have learned to hang on to God, to never give up, to trust in Him. Even through the tough times, they have learned to trust in Him. Church, problems will come our way. But remember, God loves you and He cares. God loves you and He cares and He has a greater purpose.
to make you more like Christ. Bow your heads with me at this time. If you've been in church long enough, there is nothing really spectacularly new that I spoke about. It's just a reminder this morning that problems are very much part of life. We cannot avoid problems. We cannot live lives without running into a trouble. And if you are going through that tough, hard, that valley, that the desert of dry bones, I don't want to make light of those situations that you're going in. And I know they are hard. And I know that they are hard. I just want to remind you, God cares. Don't ever lose focus and doubt his love for you. Because God sees everything that you are going through. He sees, he knows everything you are going through. He knows exactly where you are. But I want to challenge you to open your eyes of faith and see that God has you where he wants you to be. And that he is going to work not just in the situation around you. He is going to work in you too. Because that's his goal. That's his purpose. God can fix the problem. But he's more interested in fixing you. I know it sounds harsh and it sounds ridiculous. But that's the truth, church. Whatever you're going through. It may feel like you're sinking and you may be overwhelmed. I don't know where your trouble comes from. Whether it be the world, whether it be uh, the devil, whether it be uh, your own, the choices you make, consequences of the choices you make. I don't know. I really don't care about the source of your problem. What I want to know and I want you to know the source of your strength. I want you to know the source of your strength. That is God. He is your source. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He is the source. Thank you, God. Please don't ever, and I don't know if you all think like this, but if there's anyone thinking like this, God is not there just to make your life miserable. He's not this grumpy old man up there who doesn't want you to have fun. That's not the God I worship. That's not the God I'd read about in the Bible. Again, what I know is that God is not going to jump in and save me from the consequences every single time. He's not going to jump in and save me from the consequences of my choices.
He's not going to take away the free will of someone else who's going to hurt us. He's not going to do that every time. And we live in a fallen world and we will always be hurt in this side of eternity. But the assurance I have is even in the midst of it all, I know he's in control. I know he loves me. And I know he's always there with me. Consider that and make a choice. Consider that. God is still in control. God still loves you. And God will never let you go. Consider that when you're going through trouble. Consider that when you're going through your hardship. Consider that when you're going through those trials. And then you make the choice. I have made a choice to hold on to him. No matter what, no matter how heavy that rain is, how, how hard that storm is, I know I can still hold on to him. And he fills me with joy. He gives me the strength. He gives me that peace. He gives me that hope. The choice is yours, church. The choice is yours, friend.